Praise the Lord. Wow. I did not know when all this was being worked out that I was coming to a place of prayer. And I can feel it. I can feel those prayers that have been going up for 21 days right now, right here. And I know this is a God-ordained moment. You know, when we pray, we partner with what Jesus is doing. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on behalf of us, on behalf of our city, our nations. And all we're doing is saying, what are you doing, Father? What are you doing, Jesus? I want to do it too. And praise the Lord that you're a praying people. I'm just so privileged and honored to be here. This is only my second visit ever to the great state of Louisiana. And I had some great Cajun food last night. As Brother Bubba said, he wanted to make sure I was a full gospel preacher. (laughs) And it worked. I didn't even eat breakfast this morning because (laughs) dinner is still with me. And it's awesome. And I appreciate that. I just appreciate the love and hospitality that's just been poured out in the less than 24 hours that I've been here. And walking in the door here, it just felt like coming home. And so, you know, family, no matter where you go, no matter what's on your passport, if you're part of the family of God, if you've been adopted into the family of God because of the precious blood of Jesus shed on that cross at Calvary, you can find family no matter where you go. Because we've got one Father, and by the blood of Jesus, we're family. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I, I woke up at 3.30 this morning with a burden to just continue praying for you and for my church in Albania. As Pastor Bubba said, I've been in Albania for 16 years. First went in 17 years ago, and... Uh, Yeah, God told me at the end of that that I was supposed to live in Albania. And I was like, but God. And he was like, but God. And uh, so I struggled with it for about six months and prayed into it before I actually committed to it. But it was a done deal. I didn't really have much to do with it. Somebody said when I left my television career, which was actually going in all the direction that I had spent my life working up to, said, wow, I'm just so impressed you took a risk and and laid it all down and followed the call of God. I said, that's no risk at all. The risk is laying down the call of God and following your own desires. You know, that's where the risk is. There's no risk. I was sitting on the beach in England, and the beach in England is different than the beach in America or the beach in Louisiana. The beach in England, you wear a coat to. Because it's cold in England. I mean, if it's 70 degrees, they call out the, the cooling shelters and say, oh, it's going to heat wave. <laughs> Seriously, they're crazy people. <laughs> but I was sitting on the beach at night, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, do I lay this all down? And I saw the waves coming in. I'm like, God, make this easy. Just speak to me. And the waves are coming in. I say, why don't you just appear to me like you appeared to Peter, John, and James on that boat, and you walked on the water? And I heard the Lord say, if you step out, I will not let you sink. That was 17 and a half years ago, and I stepped out, and God has not let me sink. Praise God. He's faithful. 
He is always faithful. We're doing some great things in Albania. I, for 10 years, 11 years, I've been pastoring the International Protestant Assembly. It's a church mainly of Albanians, but we do have foreigners. We do have international people. I've got a family from India. I've got a family, two families from Holland. I've got a guy from South America. We've got about 120, 130 people on a Sunday, and about 20 of them are non-Albanians. The others are all Albanians. And we're just reaching God, reaching people for God in this land that had forsaken him. And I'll share that in a minute. Um, but prayer is really the reason I'm there. Even when I became pastor, I asked God, you know, is this what you want me to do? You've called me to establish and equip and facilitate prayer in the nations. Do you want me to pastor a church or will that get in the way? And I prayed about that for about six months while I was actually filling in for the missionary that left and never came back. Uh, missionaries do that and that's why I'm, I, I only come back for about a month once a year because I don't want them to think I'm not coming back. But the Lord said, if you pastor this church, you will, it will be a tool to develop prayer in the nation. It's sort of like a conductor that has an orchestra. It's easier to have an orchestra than to just go out and try to write music without hearing how it sounds. So if you can bring your church to prayer, then prayer's going to well up. And I know you who've been coming here every morning and praying and coming throughout the, and praying at home and wherever, you're going to continue to pray every day, not just Wednesdays, because you've developed that ability and that desire and you know what it's all about. So one of the things that we do occasionally, and the last time I did it was seven years ago, is a prayer school, a school of strategic prayer. And I'm going to be doing that again in April and May of 2016. And we're going to bring people all over. I'm involved with the Balkan Networks, which is a network of prayer people around the 12 Balkan nations. And we're coming together for 49 days, seven times seven of school of prayer. And then we're going to have a 50th day jubilee. And uh, I just want you to pray into that in April and May. I'm looking for people to come. And if, if you've got a heart for prayer, we're looking for interns and disciples to be there and be part of the, the staff who can sow into that and, and, and into the lives of the people that come to learn to pray. Now, I want to I talk to you today, and again, the Lord is interesting because he loves my preparation, but he never respects it. Uh, and so he makes me put a lot of time into developing things, and he says, now I want you to take it in this direction. But I want you to open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to 2 Timothy. And I want to read this brief. This isn't the main text of what I want to speak on this morning, but I want you to look at 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And I want to relate this to Albania, but I want to relate it in a broader sense to the world today. The first verse of the third chapter of 2 Timothy. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. And Lord, we just come into your presence 
with an access granted by that precious blood this morning. And we ask you to speak to our hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I read this and it sounds familiar. I don't know about the rest of you. But when I look around in Albania, when I look around in England, when I look around in Europe, I was in Germany a few months ago. When I look at America, I see this verse being manifested. I see these terrible times in the last days. I see people who love themselves. It's me, me, me. It's what I want. It's what I feel. Truth is all about my truth, not what is real. I love pleasure more than I love God, people would say. And I say, these are the last days. Now, they may be the last million days. They may be the last day. For somebody, it is the last day. And for all of us, within the next 50 years, it's the last days. So I don't care if it's a million years from when Jesus comes back. We're all living in our own last days. And I see these things happening. And you know what? I think it's an exciting time to be alive. What an exciting time to be a follower of Jesus Christ than these days when the world is falling apart. Because we have the answer. We have the antidote. We have the cure for all that ills humanity. And that's the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Pastor Bubba was giving me a little history of Jennings yesterday, and I didn't realize what a historical place this is. You know, I, being from Ohio, you know, there's not a lot of old stuff in Ohio. Ohio was, not, was formed like in 1795 and became a state in 1803. Before that, it was just wilderness. Louisiana was settled two, three hundred years before that. Louisiana's got rich, deep history, praise the Lord. And you got a lot of rich, deep Roots, like those trees that grow in the swamps. You've got richness here. But I tell you, a time is coming when that history is going to be overwhelmed by the history that the church of Jesus Christ is about to make in this nation and in this city and in this state. Because of you. Turn to somebody and say, because of me. Because of me. Praise the Lord. You are going to be history makers. You are going to be history makers. But how does that happen when we live in a world where people love themselves more than they love God, when they love pleasure more than they love God, and when they have a form of godliness but totally deny the power of God? You know, I was talking to Pastor Brubba, and, and we, we hear churches and we hear people preach about grace. Do what you want. Because there's grace. Well, grace in that sense is merely a form of godliness. Because grace empowers righteousness. There is no grace if there is no power to live a holy life. There is merely license. Grace is an empowerment. And if we have something else, we have a form of grace, a form of godliness. But we deny the power for righteous living. Peter tells us that we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Amen. So how do we become a history maker? 2 Timothy chapter 4 tells us the time's going to come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Praise the Lord that you've got a pastor like Pastor Bubba and Pastor Josh who will teach you and preach to you sound doctrine. 
They will not tell you what your itching ears want to hear. They will tell you what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit tells them to preach. Amen? Now, in Acts chapter 17, and I usually reference this the first time I speak somewhere, the Bible tells us that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they received the Word of God with great eagerness. But each night they checked the Scripture to make sure what Paul said was true. Now, how many of you know who Paul was? You know who Paul was? He wrote 13 or 14 books of the Bible. And the Bible, the Holy Spirit, says it was noble to check the Scripture to see if what he taught was true. I have not written any books of the Bible yet. If it was noble to check the Apostle Paul against the Word of God, how much more noble it is for you to check what I say in the Word of God. You know, I, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to make a mistake, but I am not infallible, but this word is. And so check the word no matter who is on this platform. Check the word to make sure what they say is true. Because in the last days, there'll be false teachers that rise up. Now, I trust your pastors will correct any mistakes I make. And they will clean up any mess I make. But there's going to be teachers out there on television, on the Internet, a great number of teachers who will say what itching ears want to hear. There'll be those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Church, we're living in an exciting time because all of that is happening. But we see the truth and the light has shined. We see the truth and the light is shining and the Holy Spirit is leading. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? First of all, you've got to change the way you think. How do you become a history maker? You've got to change the way you think. We've got to stop allowing society to tell us how to think. And we've got to think the way Jesus thought. The Bible says put on the mind of Christ. Romans tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to change the way we think. Now, I want to tell you a story about Albania. Albania is the only country on the face of the earth that was ever declared totally atheistic. In 1967, they destroyed every house of worship in the country. It was 70% Muslim, 30% Christian, and they destroyed everything. And they lined up the clerics, the pastors, the priests, the imams. And they said, you will publicly denounce your religion as failed human ideology or you will be publicly executed. Most of them stood up and said, I renounce my error in believing in a God. And those who didn't were either shot on, the, I worked in television, I was an anchorman for five years in Albania, and I've seen the video that they played on television in 1967 of people being hung or lined up in firing squads for not renouncing their faith. And from 1967 until 1991, if you talked about God, you were immediately put in prison. If you proselytized or evangelized, you were put to death. And in 1972, the communist dictator was speaking to a Stalinist convention in Pyongyang, North Korea. The elder Kim was there, but this guy, the Albanian dictator, was the chief Stalinist in the world in the 1960s and 70s. And he spoke to this conference of international communists. And he said, the most noble thing that the Albanian culture has ever done 
And Albania is an old, old culture. It's been overrun a lot, but it's an old culture. He said the most noble thing our culture has ever done is to eradicate what he called the cancer of religion. He said we did it very simply in just one generation. We did it through entertainment, through news, and through schools. And in one generation, we changed the mindset of a nation so that when we said there is no God, they said, sounds good to me. One generation, they were indoctrinated away from God and into atheism. And only a few, even the priests, even the preachers, even the men of God were deceived and renounced God. I see the same thing happening in America today. I see a culture that is saying, this is the truth and the Bible is not. I see schools teaching our kids slowly to change the way they think so that what we think as an older generation is old-fashioned and outdated and we're not tolerant and we're not loving. Well, I tell you what, if I saw my child run into traffic in front of a Mack truck, I would scream, shout, and run after them and it would not be hate that was drawing them out of the road. It would be love. I see schools. I see media. I see film and entertainment changing the way we think. And see, America doesn't just affect America. As America goes, the world goes. Whether the world likes it or not. I see missionaries who've been in Albania. I've been in Albania for 16 years, 17 years in and out. The country's been open to the gospel since 1992, 23 years. And missionaries go in and it's like, we've got to be very culturally sensitive. We have to be very careful what we say. But MTV and Hollywood and Coca-Cola go in and they aren't culturally sensitive. They say, think the way we think. And Albania was more moral as an atheistic country than it is today as a free one. And a lot of that has to do with what America has exported. We live in a depraved time, but it's an exciting time to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because we can make history. There's a paradigm shift going on in the spiritual as well as the natural right now. And the world... Romans 8, 19 says, all creation longs for. All creation eagerly hopes for the sons of God to be revealed. Amen. You're the children of God. Amen. Adopted by the Father because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and say, you're a child of God. And the world is waiting for you to be revealed. But church, we got to change the way we think. we got to put on the mind of Christ. we got to keep a clear mind. You know, I worked in television. One of my claims to fame, one of the things that made me money, was helping to launch a little television show called The Jerry Springer Show. I know what kind of trash can go out from our country to the world. I know how it can influence people. Some people say, how'd you end up in Albania? I was like penance 
you got to pay the price. All creation longs for the sons of God to be revealed. Keep a clear mind. I love television, but some of us watch, watch sin and call it entertainment. And we don't realize how it's numbing our mind. We don't realize how it's just gnawing away and we start thinking, oh, that's not so bad and that's not so bad and that's not so bad because television and film and everything else continues to tell us it's not so bad, it's normal. It's natural. Well, I'll tell you what my Bible tells me is that nature is not godly. I was born depraved with a sinful nature. So even if it's natural, it's not godly. Even if it's normal, it's not godly because I'm peculiar. I'm not normal. You can quote me on that. He's not normal. And I'm not natural because I'm supernatural because God has transformed me. It's not what's natural. It's what God has created in you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and say, you're not normal. You're supernatural. You see what I'm saying, church? Do you understand what I'm saying? So keep a clear mind. Watch what you put in your mind. Read the Word as often as you read the news. Read the Word as often as you watch TV or listen to talk radio. Fill your house with the sounds of worship. I'm not trying to be legalistic. I am wearing a suit. But I'm not nearly as religious as I look. But, you know, we've got to work on that. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. I had a vision a few weeks ago when I was praying and I saw a river flowing into the sea or the ocean. See, when I lived in America, I called it the ocean. I live in Albania, I called it the sea. I'm going to wrap up soon and I'll get to the sermon in a minute. But I saw this vision and, you know, when the river hits the ocean or hits that big body of water, things change. There's a, there's a violent conflict between the flow of the river and the pushback of the sea you know the book of revelation says i saw a sea of glass which represents humanity the ocean the sea represents humanity it represents our society and the river represents the river of god and when the river of god comes into conflict with humanity there's a pushback there's a pushback but also generally the river brings a fresh cleanliness into the ocean and you out of your belly is flowing the river of living water and that river of living water is there to to conflict with the cultural and societal norms and to bring something fresh and new and life but also we were talking last night about how it also establishes territory the deltas are formed New land, new territory, and God is forming new territory in this part of Louisiana through OSC and through you. As the river of God begins to flow through you, he is pushing back the waves of culture that would resist the flow of the Spirit, and he's establishing beachheads that will grow and prosper and be fruitful. Amen? Amen. So you got to change your mind. You got to change the way you think.
You got to be defined by God and not your enemies. There were some great men of God, but a lot of them allowed themselves to be defined by the enemy. David and Goliath, the armies of God lined up against the armies of the Philistines in the valley of Shekel. And every day Goliath would come out and say, I am a Philistine. Who are you, the armies of Saul, to come against me? But see, they weren't the armies of Saul. They were the armies of God. But they began to believe they were the armies of Saul. They forgot who they were. The church today is intimidated. We're intimidated by the giants that come up. And sometimes that's in the world, and we're talking culturally, but sometimes it's just in us. Sometimes that giant of cancer comes up, and we forget that we are a child of the living God with the precious virtue of Jesus Christ flowing from his throne in heaven through us. And we're intimidated, and we forget. Sometimes temptation comes upon us, and we're intimidated, and we give in because we forget that we're a child of God. We've got to be defined by God and not our enemies. When the 12 spies went into the promised land, God said, it's flowing with milk and honey and there's abundance. They came back and they said, it's flowing with milk and honey and there's abundance, but there's also giants. And we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. It doesn't matter how the world looks at us. If we look like grasshoppers, so what? Grasshoppers, how many of you know grasshoppers could take out a soybean field in an hour? If there's enough of us, if there's enough of us, all of one mind, grasshoppers can do a lot. But don't let the enemy define you. Let the word of God define who you are. Gideon said, I'm the least of the least. God said, oh, mighty warrior. Pastor Bubba is a wonderful man. And he's so on target with the word of God. Every person I've heard him talk to, he's like, oh, man of God, oh, man of faith. He just continues to speak what he sees to be true. And the world will tell you, you're nothing, you're awful, you're... but you're a man of God, you're a woman of faith. Amen. Whose report are you going to believe? Change the way you think and don't let the world give you an identity. Don't let your behavior give you an identity. You know, sinners are going to sin and they are identified by their sin. But when we are saved, we are no longer identified by our action or by our behavior. We are identified by the family of which we are a part. And we are part of the family of God. Don't let the enemy define you. That's the second way to be a history maker. Change the way you think and don't let the enemy define you. Let God define you. Fourth, keep your eyes on God. Third, sorry, keep your eyes on God. Don't be distracted. When I had that vision on the beaches of England about walking on the water and God said, just step out. I'll tell you, there's been some times I felt like I needed a snorkel, but God hasn't let me sink. You know, Peter began to look at those waves and he began to sink. But what happened? He reached out and grabbed God? No. Jesus reached down and pulled him up. You know, sometimes the things, the turmoil in our lives are like Goliath. And we get our eyes off of God and we start looking at the waves that are crashing around us. Maybe a loss of a job. My brother-in-law just lost his job, but praise the Lord, yesterday he got a better one. Amen. Amen. We get our eyes off Jesus and we start thinking about the world and the way the world things, does things. And we get intimidated. But Jesus reached down and all we got to do is touch his hand. He'll lift us right back up. 
Don't get your eyes off Jesus. Don't be distracted. Don't be intimidated. Do nothing but what the Father's doing. Simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you're going to change history. You're going to impact this region. You're going to impact this nation. I've heard prophetic words about the oil that flowed up out of Louisiana. And how the oil of God, the Holy Spirit, is going to flow out of Louisiana. And it's going to source this nation. And it's going to flow through you. Change the way you think. Don't be defined by the enemy. Don't let the enemy tell you you're a hater. Don't let the enemy tell you you're old-fashioned. Don't let the enemy tell you you're anything but a child of the living God. That the world is waiting to be revealed. Keep your eyes on God. Don't be distracted. And finally, church, there's something wrong around the world with those who call themselves Christians. You know, in England, there's a new trend called the atheist church. Now, Albania was atheist for 25 years, but God never gave up on Albania. They all gave up on him because it was easier. I mean, you might die if you believe in God, but if you don't believe in God, the government will give you a check. That's, I mean, that's really what was happening. The communist government took care of you, and if you believed in God, your life was miserable if you had a life at all. So people are like, well, I'm going to be an atheist then. Well, in England, there's this trend right now called the atheist church. Where they've rented these buildings or bought these buildings. And they gather together. Hundreds of people gather together. And they sing songs. They sing songs from the Beatles and whoever else is out there. I don't know. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Beyonce. And then some guy gets up and gives them a nice, feel-good message on how to live their lives. And then they have coffee and donuts and things afterward. And they call it the atheist church. And they say, you know, everything you need without God. And I said, oh, I know plenty of those in America. (laughs) They got a cross on the front, but they got everything you need but God. And I'm just blessed that you've got more than that here. But unfortunately, a lot of the church has lost sight of God. They've been distracted and intimidated by the enemy, and they've been told that believing in the Word of God is somehow offensive. Now, those spies that went into the promised land, they came back and said, everything God told us was true. He said it's going to have milk and honey and big grapes. But see, he also said, I'm going to give you this land. They came back and said, everything he said was true, but we can't take the land. They believed part of what they saw or heard because they saw it with their eyes, but they didn't have enough faith to believe what they could not see. Church, if we're going to change history, and, and I tell you, history is changing. America is changing. The world is changing. When I left America, there were no smartphones. The internet was at uh, 24K. 
I mean, it's a different world. The world is changing. And it's going to change. And either Satan's going to change it or the church is going to change. God's going to change it to the church. Now, Jesus is going to come back. But Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Jesus wants the world to be saved. I believe in Isaiah chapter 6 when you hear, I I saw the Lord seated on the throne and his train, his glory filled the temple. said, who will go? Who will, whom shall I send? It was Jesus saying, Father, save Louisiana. Father, save Albania. Father, save America. He's like, but whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Jesus says, pour out the Holy Spirit on OSC. They'll go. They'll make history. They'll make the will of God real in a world that looks like it's falling apart. We got to believe, we got to live like the Bible is true. That's how we change history. We stop thinking like the world. We stop letting the world give us our definition and we know our identity in Christ. We keep our eyes on Jesus and we live like this word is true. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? This word is true. Every word is true. And we've just forgotten that in a lot of places. You're going to change history. You know why? Because Jesus did pray. And people like Bubba, Pastor Bubba, Pastor Josh, all you people that have been praying for 21 days in agreement with the will of Jesus have basically been saying, Lord, pour out your spirit and your will be done, not mine. And he's pouring out his spirit. I want you to stand, if you will. I'm going to ask Pastor Bubba to come back up in a minute. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask you to do something. I know some of you won't be comfortable doing this, so I'm going to give you two options. But if you're comfortable, I want you to put your hand on your head. And I want you to pray this after me. It's a prophetic prayer. It's just the word of God. Prophecy is merely saying something in an understandable manner that God has revealed. And his word is revealed. So we're just going to say a scripture. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Father, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and power. I am a child of God. And I'm ready to be revealed. Amen.